Sensei Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Well, they just laughs at everything now, really. My name is Paul Hirons and it's the first week of free agency. And it's been pretty quiet in the NFL, all things considered, really. Nothing much going on, is there, really? No, no, no. no. So joining me in the sewing room this week to discuss the lack of signings and trades... And you might have heard a, a, a beer bottle top scurry across the table. I'm not sure who, who, who it's dropped back. that. It's back. Um, so, yeah, joining me in the same room this week to discuss the lack of signings and trades is the Bobby to my heart. The Bobby to my heart. <laughs> the Booby to my tart. The Jobby to my shart. And the what the f*** did the Bengals <laughs> do to my... Oh, I got that completely wrong as the Bengals did, is Nathan Palmer, everybody. Good evening, Paul. How are we doing? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, just, you know, to get things started on a nice, light, positive note, because no one wants to come here and just have us around. We will be moaning. Yes, I've got, I've got start, a positive. I've good, got a good, good. But like, the beers are back. Yeah. And I want to introduce our, the tipple that I'm enjoying this evening. That is a, my favourite beer at the moment. Go on. It's called... Kona, the is the brewery, a Hawaiian brewer, yep. Hanele Island IPA, and it's like a passion fruit flavoured IPA. It is absolutely fantastic. You filthy sword. It it's sounds really a bit nice. Hawaiian. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's delicious. I'll read the, the tasting notes. Are beer brewed with passion fruit, orange, guava, and natural flavourings. I say. It is a fabulous brew, I've got to say. If anyone out there sees it knocking about, it's in bottles. I've got it in M&S. You can get it in some pubs in London. I've seen it. Nice. Beautiful brew. Beautiful. Okay. okay. Uh, I have stopped smoking. Oh, have you really? I did, yeah. Stopped on Monday. Oh, so. that's massive. Because we've, got, we've uh, got, I wouldn't say an avalanche, but uh, <laughs> a mountain stream a of people. A little molehill. Uh, yeah. Um, a mountain stream of, of, of Twitter hashtaggers imploring me to stop. You must have so. got about seven or eight tweets, mustn't you? Well, I think Pete Dadswell put about 15... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Paul Stop in one tweet, so I'm well, not that's quite 15 sure. That's there, isn't it? Yeah. How's it feel? Fine, I've done it before. Yeah. Uh, but it's just getting through those last cu- first couple of days when yeah, you're yeah, yeah. sort of clenching your teeth and like ready to punch. Yeah. Well, I better keep be on my best behaviour Exactly. Tonight, you know? So what the Bengals have done this week is not really <laughs> the best time to be doing it. It's like that quote in Airplane that I keep on trotting out when the Bengals are doing badly. I picked a fine week to quit smoking, yeah, and yeah, I really yeah. have. Um, but That's buzzing for you, though, son. That's quality news. Yeah, well, it will save some money. Save some money. Save maybe some years off my life. Exactly. And more importantly. More episodes of Cincinnati. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, we're going to get hashtags now saying, Paul, please start again, <laughs> yeah. I think. Now, before we continue, we're going to go live to Bengals UK reporter, Mike Rowave, who brings us the latest from Paul Brown Stadium. Mike, are you there? Well, there we go. Thank you, Mike. Uh, more from him later, or not, as the case may be. Uh, and that's very I much... I think Mike's out for drinks with Preston Brown and Bobby R. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, now... Uh... <laughs> If we're gonna if we're gonna get on Bobby Hart's case tonight about full starts, Paul Irons has had about ten full starts in the I first know, ten right? minutes of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we continue, I've said that before. I mean, what is wrong with me tonight? <laughs> Honestly, full right. start, sixty-eight offense, five-yard penalty, replay, first down. Um, right. As regular listeners will know, we normally leave the correspondence to the end of the show, mm. and we do have a special guest tonight. All being well. Mm. 
But we're going to flip it around because one person asked this question uh, and he made a specific reference to the start of the programme. And funny enough, we're going to start things off by talking about Bobby Hart. So, Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid Landall. Uh, my question for the podcast, it has to be the first question after the intro, though. Bobby Hart, discuss. Who wants to start off on this? You've got to go. I just, honestly, you, the, I, I saw the news in our Twitter group, and I, you said something about Bobby Hart's re-signed yeah. via Adam Schefter, and I, and I think you might have put the number. I was like, he's having us on. And I went onto the Twitter news feed, and the first tweet was Adam Schefter. Yeah. And you know sometimes in free agency, they wind people up. They have like so he's, instead of his Twitter handle being Adam Schefter, it would be like Adam Schefter one yeah, or like Adam yeah, yeah. Schefter spelt slightly incorrectly, and they'll, they'll throw like Adam stuff out. Yeah, so they'll like throw stuff out there to get people like, oh, that's you know you yeah. can't. Be. And I was certain I was like, oh yeah, this is what's going on. Like they're just winding us up. And when it sunk in that it was Adam Schefter's real Twitter handle, and I saw that blue thing, I just couldn't believe it. I mean. But nothing against Bobby Hart. If they were going to bring him back, like nothing personally against the geezer, and if they brought him back on another one-year, $2 million deal, prove it type, you know, mate, he's still young, maybe he could improve, you know, I would be okay with that as like a sort of rotational tackle that, you know, could improve. Even if they paid the geezer $3 million, I might have swallowed it. But to pay him for three years... 18, I think maybe 21, is it? $21 million or 18? I, I was get confused with him. Well, and this his is armor. the contract 16.5 million over three years, maximum of 21.15 million with incentive and escalators. Now, what he wants to do with escalators, I'm not sure. Um, you can use the stairs like anyone else. Um, but don't, <laughs> hey, hey, just see. Did, 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 did <laughs> the you one see line that? is coming in. I like prepared that one. Um, so it's 7.4 million mm. in the first year. God, it's uh, a lot of dough in the first and, year, isn't it? You know, that, that is starting tackle money. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's just, uh, to me, it's just, it's a crazy spend of money. I mean, Bobby Hart, I think for any Bengals fan watching last year, you didn't have to look at Pro Football Focus to get understand his grade. Well, he, have was a look. he was ranked 75th out of yeah. 80 offensive tackles. And he was getting bundled over the geezer. I mean, he really, he, you know, Von Miller just was pushing him over. Margus Hunt was pushing him over. Only one of four uh, offensive tackles who allowed it 10 sacks or more. Colton Miller, a rookie, 16. Julian Davenport, 16. 12. Brandon Parker, rookie ten, and Bobby Hart ten. Yeah, I mean the, the thing with Bobby Hart that's incredible is that he, he the season before he was at the New York Giants and he got cut midway through the season on a terrible offensive line because they said he quit on the team. Well, there was rumours that he quit on the team. I think for him to come to the Bengals is a very very late wave free agency signing. You don't pay him a lot of money. You know, it's a sort of we, not many people thought he'd even make the roster. Mm. He made the roster. He started sixteen games to his credit for staying healthy. I'm just not sure, like, after how being the 75th best, uh, best tackle in football, that you go and command a deal in that vicinity, in that ballpark. I mean, draft a third round pick and plug them in and just, you know, see what happens. I just yeah. think to commit that money, and I don't know if that's because of the ties he's got with Jim Turner, um, the new offensive line coach. Well, the alarm, bells, there. the alarm bells started to ring, didn't they? When, didn't they? when uh, Jim, it's only a joke, lads, top bants, Turner. Um, Said down at the combine that Bobby or described Bobby Hart with well by using the word phenomenal, <laughs> and I, I think I think no one has yeah, ever and used plays with passion, which I imagine that just about every single offensive tackle in football is playing with every passion. single player. Yeah, it's not yeah. A, it's not a particularly it's uh, a prerequisite. No. I mean, it's well, it is a prerequisite, but it, it's not an uncommon thing. No, but when he used the word 
phenomenal. I kind of thought, hold on a minute. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Um, so, yeah. And apparently, Bobby Hart went in and had a chat with Zach Taylor for 35 minutes or so and kind of said, you know, I like where what he's talking about. Uh, you know, he was speaking, uh, you know. I saw him with Mr. Conapella, yeah. You know, and it's just like, wow. And like, you, you know what, I'm going to say something slightly cont- controversial. I actually wanted Bobby Hart back. But, and there's a big but, um, and I say that only because Cedric Aboy has gone, he's out the door. Jake Fisher is gone trying to reinvent himself as a tight end. Mm. So we don't have any tackles on the team. True, yeah. So I wanted him back, actually, the more I thought about it, as a backup, right? You wouldn't have wanted Fisher back over him? No, no because they chose Hart over Fisher last year, and he's he, Hart wasn't awful the first three, four games last year. And then he's he went. Indianapolis, he's shocking. Then he went off a cliff yeah. completely. I mean, okay, maybe that's that again. That's that's overstretching things. But he he played a bit better than I was expecting. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he completely went off a cliff, like yeah. the rest of the offensive line. Um, but he knows the system. He knows the players. I would have been quite happy for him to, like, as you say, to get a little bit of a pay raise. You know, another million maybe. Because who's bidding against us? Someone was saying that on Twitter, like, who's bidding against us? Why did we feel the need in, you know, day one of free agency to say we need to lock that up? Like, who's going to sweep in and be like, well, we're going to pay him, you know, 25 million? As, you know, if you're looking around the league and you look at his history, he's never played at a like, high level. He's never used to be a pro bowler. He was never drafted in the first round and was lauded with potential. It's been a very, very... I, I would be stretching to say mediocre career. Yeah, absolutely. Where he's really, you know, that was the first time last year he started 16 games. Mm. You know, all of those PFF ratings. And it, this is the thing, you don't even need the PFF ratings. Sometimes with offensive linemen, especially interior ones, it's difficult to grade them. You're not watching them. You're watching the quarterback, you're watching the running mm. back, you're watching the receivers. It's hard to know who's actually good and who's not and who they're playing against, etc. With Bobby Hart, it was clear, the false starts, the, yeah. you know, the sacks that he was giving up on that side of the ball, you know, when he was getting, he was getting chirpy that time with um, yeah, Jeff Dalton. Driscoll. And Dalton. Yeah. Oh, and no, it was Driscoll. Driscoll, yeah. And it's just stuff like that where you just think, how has he commanded that sort of deal? Like, let him test the market at least before you go and throw that sort of money and give him a one-year deal. I mean, the Just only there, positive is the age. Yeah, absolutely. That's and the and, only thing for and me. that's what they seem to like in him. He's apparently... He's 25, isn't he? He's 24. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Probably 25 soon, but... Um, I don't know. It's just mind-boggling. As I say, I would have been quite happy for him to get maybe uh, another million raise just to keep him there for a couple of years. Mm. Have him on the team as a backup only because that's really You've the level. You've got to be it. going into the season starting a better That's right his tackle. level. That's yeah. his level. Because he arguably was the worst geezer on the line last season. Arguably. I mean, him and Alex Redmond were, were two peas in a pod, really, on yeah. the right-hand side, weren't they? But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just mind it was like, oh, they've resigned him. Okay, well, I'm not that happy about it. And then you saw the money, yeah. and that kind of automatically told you that they were going to, you know, start him as a as a starting right tackle. And then the anger hit. Then yeah, the yeah. despair hit. Then Twitter went insane. And you know what? Good luck to Bobby Hart. I hope. I hope. Well, I hope, of course. I hope, yeah, you know, yeah, He's yeah. got some money for his family. All the best to him. Um, I think the hardest thing with the Bobby Hart thing, just the last thing I'm going to say on it, is I think for Bengals fans, you sat there, you know you've got a lot of cap room to play with. You know there's potential for us to go out there and get you know some exciting free agents um, like a lot of teams have. 
And I think when you see the Bengals have been, and I wouldn't say guilty of this, but it's a theme that they've taken in the last couple of years is paying their own, keeping their own, trying to keep their own. Which is what they've done the past few yeah. days. They've really concentrated on... Um, on, on, on keeping their yeah. own before they've gone into the free agency market. So CJ Uzuma yeah, um, yeah, yeah. has signed for three years, 18 mil. Uh, Preston Brown, yeah, we'll talk about three that. years, 21 yeah. million. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Wilson, another year. Yeah. You know, he, he was a special teams gunner, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're doing. But to but, pay someone like Bobby Hart that amount of yeah. money, and even Preston Brown for that matter... Yeah, um, we'll although, get on to Preston Brown. You know, and then, but then not to pay, say, Darquez Denard yeah. the required going rate for a slot corner. I know, I know that he wants to be paid Big as money, an outside yeah. corner, even though he's much better inside. Mm. Um, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah. The I, only thing I'd say is they, they must have a plan. They must have a plan. Well, I think just, you know, just finished my the point. I, it, it, it's the thing for Bengals fans, I think, so hard is that you kind of feel like that money that they're putting into Bobby Hart as the sort of first signing, it's like, well, that goes our chances of making a splash. You know, because I think Bengals fans knew that they weren't necessarily going to be the first ones on the markets, so, you know, throwing money at these, you know, top 10 free agents. But I think when you're going and paying Bobby Hart six, seven million a year, you're going and paying CJ Zama six million a year, you're going and paying Preston Brown seven million a year. You know, but that's that, 15 but that, million dollars, that's 18 million dollars. And that, to me, rules out any chance of any. Yeah, but you've got to look at how. The you, worst part, You've really. got to look at how those deals are structured. It might not, you know, with, with, like. Um, uh, Bobby Hart's deal, you know, no, it's not like seven million a year. It's seven million in the first year, yeah, and then it's sort of not so much. So they have got an yeah, out yeah, after yeah. the first year, and it depends how much it, it kind of counts against the cap, right? But it just doesn't make sense. And for a lot of Bengals fans who are hoping for a new direct, I tell you what, you know, you, you look at over the years, and plenty has been, plenty of stickers been given to Marvin, yeah, yeah, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, um. Everyone was excited when Zach Taylor came in. A few mm. iffy coaching, or one big, big iffy coaching decision, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it was kind of like, come on, we surely now, with a new broom, we're going to sweep all the old stuff away. We're going to have a new approach. You look at the Packers, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who traditionally, under Thompson, don't or, ha- or haven't kind mm. of... Uh, you know, dipped in, got involved in the the free agency wars, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been a very much draft and develop kind of team, uh, and the Bengals have followed that model mm. with varying success. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now even even Green Bay are getting in on the act. Mm. You know, so I think free agency is there. But the big thing that this this year has revealed to me, I think, it's not how many players we sign in free agency, really. Because uh, the Bengals were never going to do that in the first wave, I don't think. You know, free agency has just literally come live. Uh, it is officially free agency period, and it is the start of the new NFL year, as we're recording this a few minutes ago. So happy new NFL year, whatever you want to call it. Um, um, but it's so yeah, you know, I mean, there's plenty of talent out there that we're probably we're gonna we are gonna sign some players. There's no doubt about it. Um, but it's more for me. It's more to do with overpaying the wrong people mm. at the wrong time, and there has been an evidence of that. So it says to me that it's more of a a problem with cap management and 
talent evaluation, really. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, Duke has Duke Tobin has to kind of square a lot of the blame for that, really. I think I think the thing with the Bengals is that Joe Goodbury said this. He said you know, the Bengals are one of the only teams in free agency that progressively get worse. And the thing with the Bengals, they want to get their own players back and they try their best and they normally get 80% of them back and they do lose a few players and we've already lost Tyler Croft to But they the tend Bills. to they tend to let the wrong ones go. Well, especially in the last couple of years, you know, the Andrew Whitworth one being a notable but one. But you can go back to people like Jonathan Zeitler, Joseph and Zeitler. Zeitler probably Marvin wasn't Jones, going to be kept. Marvin Sanu, Jones. It was a lot of key players and you can't pay them all. But I think for the Bengals, you know, that approach starts to really run thin when you're losing that amount of talent and you're never replacing it. Because, you know, you look at some of these guys they pick up at the end of free agency that, you know, have been knocking around the league a few times and some of them don't even make the roster. I mean, you think about Chris Baker last year, you know, a few people were like, oh, he had a couple of good seasons. What can we see from him? The geezer didn't even make the 53-man roster. So... You know, it's hard when you've got that and you literally, it's like going to a charity shop, you know, you buy a few bits and, you know, half of it doesn't fit and it's a bit oversized. You might get the odd gem, like you might get your, you know, the odd jumper that looks quite smart. But, you know, most of the time it's just a bit, you know, it's not the best stuff. But, you know, that's life as a Bengals fan. Okay, let's talk about uh, Preston Brown then. Three years, up to 21 million. I don't think, I might be mistaken, but I don't think the figures, you know, how the deal is structured has been released yet mm. um but it, it's going to be similar to bobby hart's um, um deal um again it's kind of like i, I wasn't against bringing back preston <laughs> no, brown no, no, at no. all but to pay him starter wages kind of implies that he's going to be a starter and i know that he's come out today that and he and he said in a uh, an interview with her old chum marissa contapelli that um you know, he's fully aware of the NFL trend to to have mobile, quicker linebackers, and he's he's aiming to drop down, you know, fifteen pounds. So he, you know, kind of makes him a bit more yeah, agile. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like you with Vinny Ray probably going. You know, you expect Preston Brown to be that guy that will just come on off the bench and plug in, maybe one down every series or whatever. Uh, but not a starter, not a starter money. Well, it's, it's again, and it? it's a bit like, you know, we've given these geezers a one-year deal. It's like giving someone a trial at your workplace, seeing how good they are, and they're off down the pub at lunchtime, and you say, well, that's fine, you know, and you sign them up to a three-year <laughs> deal. Like, I, it's baffling to me. I mean, I thought Preston Brown played okay at points last year. He had that good interception. But he was hurt for most yeah, of the Yeah, he was he? hurt for most of the year, but well, how does that justify it? How do you not just say, you know what, we'll just give him a one-year deal? I mean, it's new coaching staff as well. These deals, what's really surprised me is the coaching staff. Which is why I say that the problem here is the front office. Yeah. It's not the coaching staff, well, it's that's, the that's, front that's office. That's where, and I don't want to start, you know, digging ourselves our graves already, but... That's where a lot of people, you know, the, the the Bengals, their frustration, it was like, why are the Bengals doing this? They're doing that. You know, the coaching staff, you've got Zach Taylor now, who in LA was signing everyone under the sun. I mean, Sean McVay was sat there. They're bringing him in and Dumakin Sue, Brandon Cooks, Marcus Peters, you know, all these absolutely unbelievable NFL starters that have propelled them to the Super Bowl. You know, Zach Taylor's got to be sitting there saying, Jesus, like, you know, I've been here a month and these are the guys they're giving me. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Preston Brown, Bobby Art and CJ Uzama, but they're very, very you know, average to below average players that you're spending quite a bit of money on, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I, I do, I do know. I do know, Nathan. <laughs> do know. I yeah, do yeah. know. I do know. Um, you know, again, Preston Brown, not a bad player, not a great one, 
not I mean this is the thing it's like why are not, they not who's seeing who's for Preston Brown as well who's literally stood there going do you know what we need to do is give Preston Brown three years 25 million who's who's doing that I don't know I'd be st- who would, what team's execs would say do you know what Preston Brown and the Bills the season before no one wanted to pay him the year the year before we got him on a cheap deal because no one wanted yeah. him he was the league's leading tackler yeah. so how after a season when he plays hurt does he get more money than he got the well, year that, before? I, don't, I just the logic doesn't make sense. That was that was kind of a. I think that the leading tackler in the NFL is a bit of a misnomer, really. Oh, that's also a good point. I agree. You know, with it's you. not yeah, it's yeah. not that he's an amazing player. It's just that you know the he's Bills' defense was probably quite poor, lot, yeah. and he was on the field a lot, yeah. and a lot of people were coming at him, so he was going <laughs> to tackle him. Um, right, let's go back to. I'm not going to make that joke again. I was going to say let's go back to microwave. Uh, but I won't because I'm checking Twitter as we record this and uh, nothing has happened, not surprisingly. Uh, the other thing that's slightly worrying is, of course, that uh, Preston Brown said in a, an interview with Marissa today that, you know, with players like Nick and Vontae coming back, it's like, oh. it's like, why are they not seeing what we can see? Yeah. Why are they not doing you know, because we're obviously not coaches, we're not in the in yeah, the rooms yeah, yeah. with them, and I get that Preston Brown is a great guy and a great leader, and he's a sincere boy. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's lots of things to tick off there, um, but really, you're paying a guy that should be a role player, and I know this has been repeated on other podcasts. But is that the new price for role players, though? I guess. Perhaps. Well, I mean, you look at some of the. I wanted to ask you about some of the. Um, the deals that, that really, I mean, there's some big trades, you know, OBJ going to mm. Cleveland now, um, you know, they've been like, finally, they're taking advantage of their their picks and their enormous amount of cap room. And they're finally picking up players that are going to be real difference makers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Olivier Vernon as well. Uh, but you look at some of the free agents, um, you know, Jordan Hicks, Philadelphia. I mean, he was on our radar, right? Jordan mm. Hicks, the linebacker. He went from Philly to Arizona, four years, 35 million. Um, Juwan James, Miami, who again was on our radar, went yeah, from yeah. Miami to Denver, four years, 52 million. Uh, you know, Tyler Croft, our own Tyler Croft, went uh, from from us, obviously, to Buffalo, three years, 18.75. for Croft. Eric Weddle, two years, he's gone to the Rams from Baltimore. So, you know, it's not just us that we're not really, we're not really losing players at this stage, but you look at no. the Steelers who've been hemorrhaging players. Uh, obviously, Le'Veon Le- Bell has gone to, to the Jets mm. uh, for slightly less money than he was on in Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. which doesn't quite make sense to me, but there you go. Um, so, you know, it's, I mean, there's a lot of... Da- I mean, Quan Ale- the Quan Alexander deal, I think... Madness, isn't it? Really he's a young lad, Quan Alexander. He's only 24, but I mean, that's a lot of money for Four him. years, 54 million. And he was on our radar. And he's... He's an average linebacker. He's an average really. to an above-average linebacker. Yeah. Um, To get that, I mean, that is just daft. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. You know, what is a role-playing... Um, you know, uh, price fair price nowadays. You yeah, know, yeah. with all this craziness going on. Well, I think I think the problem with I mean, you is I think you made a good point when you were talking about when Preston Brown said you know about Vontez coming back and things like that. And I, I don't think that's necessarily indicative of they know that Vontez is not going to get no. Cut. But it, it but, kind of like again yeah. the, the the kind of the radar's up now. Yeah, it's kind of like really. But, but you look at Preston Brown, you know, and I know he said he wants to lose fifteen pounds, which you know, brilliant. Nick Vigil, when you look at Burfecht, 
they're more of your traditional hard-hitting linebackers yeah. than they are your coverage linebackers, you know. And that's, you know, the NFL today, pass first league, you know, you need guys that are covering. And, you know, Burfitt can't cover. He's not a coverage linebacker. Preston tackle. Brown can't either. And Nick Vigil, probably slightly better than them two, but it's, he's neither one of them. I mean, you, he's you, our most mobile. He is. And you, maybe Jordan Evans is probably your best in terms of Yeah, but he that. hasn't quite no. grasped it yet, you know. And I think that's a worrying trend. I mean, the Burfitt thing I think is so interesting as well, just quickly touching on that really, really quickly, cool. is... With Berthick, you felt like his sort of sympathisers and his real fans were Paul Gunther. Mm. I really felt that Paul Gunther was, a, you know, him and Vontaze Berthick, when Berthick had his best years, went to the Pro Bowl, he really attributed that to Paul Gunther. They had a very close relationship. And I always felt that I could see Berthick playing for the Raiders, his style of play and, you know, his relationship with Gunther. Then Gunther left and Marvin Lewis was still a very vocal supporter. You know, one of the reasons that Burfitt came to the Bengals was Marvin Lewis. They had a good chat at the Combine back then and Marvin took a punt on him as an undrafted free agent. And with Marvin out the building now, and hilarious is that now all the fans have pretty much given up. And I think most of the Bengals fans, big supporters of Vontaze throughout his career there. And I think a lot, you know, fans at the end of the season were like, I think we're done here. Like from the concussions to the suspensions to the, you know, the, the level of play, frankly. Yeah. I think, you Just know. Just the productivity for the amount of time absolutely. he's on the field. And, as and well. actually the money he gets paid now. He's not, yeah. he's not on a cheap deal. I think everyone has said, you know, enough's enough. And I'm stunned that the Bengals haven't come out yet and made that decision because I'm not sure what they expect from him next year. You're just not going to get 16 games out of him. You're not going to get 10 games out of him. He, you know, he's one concussion away. In game one, he sticks his head in the wrong place. The geezer could be out for eight weeks just from a concussion because it's such a dangerous precedent when you, you know, he must have had five, six, seven in his career already. You know, he's one bad hit in the preseason away from being suspended for four or five games. And I know the deal's structured where the, you know, if he does, you know, up to use a better word, that he doesn't get paid, which is fine, but you still don't want to rely on someone like that as a starter. You know, you've got if you're going to pay someone like that, you need him to be reliable because you can't constantly just keep digging into the sort of you know your third, fourth, fifth string linebacking core, which is already pretty weak. No, I, I absolutely agree with it. I mean, what's worrying to me is that we've um, had three straight losing seasons. Last yeah. year was six and ten. Was yeah, arguably the worst that a lot. Injuries played a huge, um, you know, yeah, a huge uh, uh, part in that losing season last year. I think we all acknowledge that. Um, but um, we're still keeping the same team by the looks of it. There's mm. not going to be not rooting out, not not addressing the problems no. so far. Mm. I mean, it is early in the process, and, we, and as we said earlier that they have been taking care of their own that seems to be the you know that's their that's their kind of approach to this they take care of their own then hopefully they might nip into free agency make two or three signings that would be the the hope right that yeah. would be but at the moment at the moment it seems to me that they're just kind of it's that definition of madness thing again, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of repeating the same things over and over again and hoping they'll be different. And also, Jim I- Turner's hopeful that he's going to eke out a little bit more from Bobby Hart. He's, you know, hoping to clean up stuff. Um, you know, if Frank Pollack, one of the, yeah. the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, mm. couldn't clean up Bobby Hart's mistakes, then frankly, Jim Turner isn't either. So. Yeah, you know, 
it's it, that's the worry for me at the moment. A, they're well, two worried. A, they're over overpaying and over um, what's the word? Valuing, overvaluing players that are frankly. <laughs> and B, they're not addressing the problems that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's the real worry for me. Yeah, I think I think with any team in the NFL, you've seen it more. I think in the last five, ten years there was a there was a narrative of people like the Miami Dolphins going out there and just horrendously overpaying players. Mm. And I think that gave free agency a bad name. You saw the Lions do it a couple of times, the Dolphins, you know, teams really going out there and just splurging money on players that, you know, didn't necessarily warrant it for big names and not producing. But I actually think in the last couple of years you've seen teams use it really well. I think the Los Angeles Rams have used it fantastically. That, that those players took them to that Super Bowl. Brandon Cooks, the addition of someone of his quality, took them to that Super Bowl. And Dummer can see on the defensive side of the ball. The Philadelphia Eagles have always been quite an aggressive team in doing that. That lifted them to a Super Bowl. The New England Patriots, they're aggressive in free agents. They always have been. They've always gone out there. They might not pay players like that. They'll make trades. They'll move around. It's aggressive roster management. And I think teams in the last couple of years have really utilised the system well. And I just think for the Bengals, sort of, you know, plodding along with a bit of clap, um, cap room, you know, paying your average to below average starters on a team that was bad last season. You know, we can't afford to be the same as we were last season. I, I take your point. I take the point about injuries, of course, but we don't want that same roster coming back. And I just think players like Bobby Hart, um, you know, players like Bobby Hart, CJ Zama, and Preston Brown, they don't inspire me as Super Bowl winning talent that's going to propel this team forward. Because if we're going to win a Super Bowl, I think we need four or five real quality pieces. And you might be able to get one of them in the draft that starts and is a real performer. Well, you'd, hope, you'd hope you'd get three. Well, that have instant they impact. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, no mean, projects be, now this time. Yeah. You know. But it's hard to do that. And I think, you know, you maybe see some players step up, like a Jesse Bates really become like a Pro Bowl level safety. But. You know, you feel like, God, just go out there, grab two, two real quality starters. And like you said, and I think you, it's a good point, they still can. It's not like it's done and dusted. But you've probably seen 60 to 65 of the top 100 free agents already been snatched off the board. Thanks for that uplifting comment there, <laughs> uplifting rant there, Nathan. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, they just seem to not, I don't know, I don't know. It's harsh, but it, the, the evidence and, uh, you know, over a long period of time, they they just don't quite seem to know how to play free agency to their to their strengths. Really, uh, obviously the cap it's all about available cash rather than the cap yeah, itself. Yeah. The cap is just a guide. But you know, anyway, I don't know. I think we all know where our frustrations lie. But I would say be patient, judge their activity. You know. Uh, after a couple of weeks of free agency, because that's all that's always been the way with the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Ne- we were never. I mean, the hope was we would, but realistically, I think we all knew that they weren't going to go into the first wave and pay silly, silly money like yeah. Juwan James or or what. Quite I Alexander. thought they might. I, I thought, thought they might make one move. I thought they might go out there and pay someone like a Juwan mm. James rather than Bobby Hart. You know, and that, I think that would have just the whole fan base from that would have just been like, if you'd gone and said instead of paying Bobby Hart six seven million, you'd gone and paid Juwan James ten. Yeah. And you've gone and paid him that deal that he got. Was it forty-two million or something like that? Who was that? John James. John James. If you you know gone and paid him, and you said we're going to upgrade the right tackle position from Bobby Hart to John James, we're going to overpay a bit, but we've got the money, we can do it. Four years, fifty-two million. Fifty-two million. That's four years, as it says, an extra year. But I think if you've gone and said you're going to do that, and whether or not, even if it's worth the money, I think the fans would have really got behind that. Yeah. I think you know, I just I just feel that the Bengals. 
you can't let the fans run the team, but you also have to appreciate that the fans are the reason the team exists. And I think, you, you, you know, you can't just go around signing Odell Beckham to appease the fans and doing crazy moves that don't make sense. But I think the fans honestly deserve a splashy, exciting move or something to energise them. And you got rid of Marvin, you got Zach Taylor in, and I don't think Zach Taylor was really a sexy high. He's a young guy, but he's not, he's not like a real, like guy that you you couldn't believe we got him or anything like that. It was just like a young assistant that we gave a chance to. It wasn't a sexy name as such. I just think as Bengals fans, we don't half deserve someone to come in as a free agent like an Odell Beckham. Someone really like well, mid- you look at how to top shelf that really gives everyone a bit of a lift they're excited about. But yeah, Well, you look at how the Cleveland fans have been going nuts yeah. and, and the Jets fans have yeah, been going nuts over Le'Veon Bell and obviously the Cleveland fans go nuts over... Uh, you know OBJ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and good luck to them. You know what I mean? I mean they are in. Frankly, they are in the prize. They're in the driving seat for the way the Steelers have not. I wouldn't say imploded, but you know they've lost a ton of talent. The, the, the Ravens, whose strength has always been their defense, they've lost a ton of talent from that Gone defense. Some talent, don't they? Uh, well, yeah, but you know they've lost Terrell Suggs, Darius yeah, Smith. They have, yeah. Um, you know, they've obviously placed, replaced Eric Weddle well. with yeah, yeah. Um, L. Thomas today. Uh, Alex Collins is gone, but they replaced him with Mark Ingram, who's a good player. Yeah, very good player. You know, so um, they're doing, I don't know, they're, they're, it just seems to me that the Browns, and good, Browns are in the, in the pole position for that division now for the next two or three years because they've got a really young team, yeah. load of kids on rookie contracts that are going to be around for three, four years. Yeah. If they don't, get seriously deep into the playoffs you know some questions have got to be asked but you know good luck to them they've still got a gel they've still got to go out there and they've got There's to have a personalities on that team big well. personalities if you lose a couple of games if Freddie Kitchen's inexperienced head coach if they lose two or three games and Beckham gets a bit Beckham and Baker Mayfield get a bit feisty of each other you never know yeah that's the thing well and now, well, I promised a special guest and joining us now from Los Angeles, yes, Los Angeles, is our favourite NFL Network broadcaster. It's Colleen Wolf, everybody. Colleen, are you there? I am. You know what? I bet you tell all the NFLers <laughs> that, don't you? <laughs> of course, yeah. We get one on here every week. So, you know, frankly, you're, I don't know. Yeah, this is what we tell them all. But seriously, Colleen, um, we, we love you on NFL Network and we can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, you don't have any connection to the Bengals uh, at all. Uh, you're a Philly girl. So why am I calling you and asking you to come on our podcast? And the reason is because I saw a post on Instagram a little while ago of you drinking a, a bottle or a can of Camden Hells in Camden Market which is about a, a mile away from where this show is recorded, a mile away from my house. And I thought, if that isn't reason enough to get Colleen Wolf on our show, then I don't know what is, quite frankly. Look at that. Can you imagine? What a small world. I love London, you guys. It's like <laughs> one of my favourite places. When I was in college, I did my study abroad there, so I got to spend like a little bit um, extra time there. I was there for like four months. And I just, like, fell in love with it. So we went back last year, um, and I, my husband and a bunch of my friends came, and it was a blast. Like, and, and the beer is amazing there, which is a total plus. <laughs> a total, pl- absolute bonus, I would say. But isn't it interesting that you came 
to London as a student and now suddenly London is a big NFL hotspot. Is that the weirdest thing in the world for you? I know, I can't believe it. It was actually really cool when I was there last year. I got a chance to check out the, I guess, like the league headquarters that's in London. And it was really, like, it's in a really cool building. And it was awesome just to, like, kind of see it blossom and bloom and grow over the last few years. I'm dying to go to a game in London. I haven't had a chance yet. And I really, really hope I can go soon. Well, you know what team, or one of the teams, is playing over here this year, so you're more than welcome to join us for a, a, a pint of Camden Hells and to toast the Bengals because uh, uh, Lord knows we need it at the moment, I think. so. I know, I know. What's going on with you guys? It's like what? everybody in your division, I feel like, is making moves. All right, all right. Calm down, Colleen. Bloody hell. That's a bit, that's a bit harsh, Colleen. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Now, we, we, we love you for lots of different reasons, but I think it's your sunny disposition. You, you look as though and sound as though you're one of those people that you could quite happily go for a beer with. You sound really, really good fun, and that comes across on air, and that's why I think you are our favourite NFL Network broadcaster. Um, so I'm going to try and plug into your sunny disposition now and ask you, okay. <laughs> you know, obviously Bengals fans are suffering serious FOMO at the moment. Um, yeah. I, I likened it to kind of seeing a bunch of sexy people get out of a car and go into your next door neighbour's house and have the best party <laughs> in the world while you're not invited and all you can hear all night is debauchery and loud music. And it feels a bit like that. So how can you, what can you say to cheer us Bengals fans up? Oh, my God, that's such a depressing picture that you just painted. Because, like, I can see it. I'm, I'm like, I'm there with you at the house. Everybody is sort of, like, depressed and drinking. You're just on Instagram looking at all the fun things. I know, right? And everybody is posting next door, whatever. Forget it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I... Thank you for that, Colleen. That'll give us a little bit of solace at the moment. But um, I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> <laughs> Moving from the Bengals swiftly onto your team, the Eagles. I know, obviously, you know you're enjoying a great run with the Eagles at the moment. But how does it feel for you losing Nick Foles? I know you're a big Nick Foles fan. How does it feel for him moving over, uh, moving on to the Jaguars? Uh, you know, it was like I had a lot of time to say my goodbyes. I knew that this <laughs> moment was going to eventually come, and I feel like we had. We had time, so I feel like I had some closure there. Okay. Um, and, like, I can't be selfish, I guess. I, I got to, like, let him spread his wings and, <laughs> and see if he can be a starter somewhere else. Get it? Spread his wings uh, as an eagle. Uh, but like, I see what you did just, there. Very good. I understand that the, uh, the organization, they put all of their 
their money and everything, their resources into Carson Wentz. So there's really nothing that they can do. They're kind of handcuffed, and it, it, that sucks for them because the way that the team looked with Nick Foles at the end of the year, it's definitely not how they looked at the beginning of the year when Nick Foles was in there before Carson Wentz got back in. But, like, there is just something about him late in the year during playoffs and everybody just sort of, like, bought in. So I think... I think it's a loss for the Eagles for sure, but I'm not sure how it's going to work out with Nick Foles and Jacksonville because Jacksonville needs they need help on their offensive line. They I don't know what's going on with Leonard Fournette and their running game. Everywhere that Nick Foles has succeeded, it's been in a spot where he had a strong offensive line and good skill position players around him. Um. Colleen, one thing that I really wanted to ask you, because I mean, I, I follow your Instagram story quite a lot, and it looks like you have a real good laugh on the set with a lot of the people at NFL Network. You know, you've got Maurice Jones-Drew, Dave Damaschek, Chris Wessling, you know, Kay Adams, some really great people there. It looks like you guys have a lot of fun behind the scenes. In particular, is there one person that stands out as like the real joker that, you know, is a, a bit, you know, having a lot of fun behind the scenes? Oh, man. There are like, it's so there's so many like basically everybody is is like that but because i was just in i was just in austin texas for south by southwest uh with dave damashek and mjd like i i think i'm kind of like recency bias is sort of hitting me right now because (laughs) we were able to like we did our podcast and then we were able to just hang out in austin and it was so much fun we all had such a blast we just went out and like we were drinking and just checking out the entire city. I had never been there before. I highly recommend it if you guys ever come over to the States and, like, have some, some time to spare. Austin is so cool. It's like a little hippie kind of mecca in the middle of Texas where it's, like, super artsy. And it was just, like, so much fun. MJD is ridiculous. He's everything that, <laughs> like, he, he's just, like, the same all the time. He doesn't care. And he's just unintentionally funny. So he's just like a blast to have a beer with. <laughs> um, Austin sounds a bit like uh, Camden, actually, the way you're yeah, describing it. actually it is. It's okay. a lot like that. Okay, I think I'd like it. I think I'd like it. Um, now, before Austin, I know that you were in, um, you were at the Combine in Indianapolis, weren't you? Which must have been three very, very, or three or four very, very intense days for a, an NFL Network broadcaster. But um, what what's the experience like, real quick? And then a two-part question, I guess, is um, who who were the players for you that really stood out? Uh, well, so I get I get sort of like the easy the easy job at the combine because I don't have to do what Rich Eisen and what Mayock used to do, like Mayock, but now it's Daniel yeah. Jeremiah, like just kind of kind of sit and. I guess do play-by-play of guys doing yeah. drills and running 40s and like that. Yeah, you know, that's not, that's not that great. That's not like <laughs> that interesting all the time. So I get to talk to the guys after they're done their drills uh, before they go home. And we do like little interviews with them off the side and we go through all of their social media and just call them out for ridiculous stuff <laughs> and just ask them about like different funny things in their past and just sort of a way for our audience to kind of get to know a lot of these guys because a lot of uh, the NFL audience doesn't get a chance to watch college football. So some of these guys are completely new for them. So it's kind of 
kind of a way to just put a little bit of a personality with a name instead of it just being a name and strictly numbers, like what their results were, mm-hmm. which that's sort of like what I enjoy doing. And also, Indianapolis is so funny because it's such a small city and everybody goes there for the combine. So in one small space, you have all these front office members, these scouts, these coaches, tons of media members, and there's only like a couple places where everybody can go. Everybody is at the stadium, at Lucas Oil Stadium during the day, and then at night, there's a handful of like steakhouses and bars and stuff, and everybody goes to the same spot. So you run into all sorts of people. Like you know, you'll, I was walking down the street, and like my gravel like walk, like it is just like walking down the street. It's just weird. Like it's just like it was that, is that, and it always is that person that you thought it was. So it's like, it, it's a very, very cool kind of spot where you get a chance to get, like, access to different, like, you can just, like, walk up to an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, whoever, and just strike up a conversation with them. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool because, like, that's how you kind of make a lot of your connections and network in a real way instead right. of it being kind of a manufactured uh, transactional process when you're at a stadium there for, like, a media availability. But... Right. In terms of guys that I like, I mean, I, I like, we talk to a lot of big name prospects, but for me, it's always the guys who have the best personalities that stand out. And for me, hands down, one of the best guys we talked to uh, was Devin White from LSU. Mm-hmm. He was, he was awesome. Like, he was so funny. He, I, he's really into horses. So <laughs> he's really into his horse. He's got a horse. I think her name is odd, but it just escaped me. It's like Philly May or something like that. Um, And he would ride his horse to uh, school and around campus when he had exams and stuff. And like she, (laughs) she's decked out with braids. And he said that they were just about to celebrate their year anniversary together. (laughs) And we were going to get her a bunch of new accessories. (laughs) I'm like, this is a guy that. A lot of times we ask the guys to do ridiculous things or we give them weird props just to see what their reaction is. And this is a guy that completely leaned into everything. And we gave him a hobby horse. You know what that is? Like one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we gave him like a weird hobby horse because uh, it's just like super bizarre. And we were like, here, you can take this as your party gift. And he's like, oh my God, I love it. I'm going to name him Axeman. And then, like, we kept doing the interview and he started like petting the head of the hobby horse. And I was like, all right, that's really weird. <laughs> but it was like, he was awesome. Um, there were so many guys we talked to. We talked to um, Dwayne Haskins and Greedy Williams was another guy who was really cool, really nice. A uh, day four guy that we talked to, a DB. Um, but like, you know, they're, it, it's so, it's such a mentally and physically exhausting process for them, the combine, mm. and we kind of get them at the end of that cycle, so their guard is really down a lot of times, and so we can kind of just have, like, a cool conversation with them, sure. but it's just, the whole process just, like, boggles my mind when I think about all of the things that they have to do, all the testing, all of, like, the, the measurements and the, and the, when they go to the hospital with the physicals, yeah. and then they go through all of this, they get yanked out of bed, they're going through team interviews, and then at the very end, 
and they do all of these drills when they're completely exhausted. And it's sort of like a lot of times these things, these drills don't even kind of, they don't translate a lot of times to the NFL. Mm. So there's so much stock put into it where I just like, a lot of times I feel like it's, it's, it's too much when you're, when you're basing things off of like a guy's like vertical or broad jump or whatever. But mm. it, it is, it's a really cool kind of event too. And they let fans in now, which yeah. is, I think they had fans there last year, but this was, uh, I think they're letting more and more fans in now too. So they have like different activities that you can do at the, at Louisville Stadium. And then you can go in and sort of watch some of the, the drills. Sure. Um, Colleen, just before you go, you've been absolutely fantastic. Um, but we like to have a bit of fun with our guests and just ask them one question um, that we ask to each one okay. of them before they go. So we often ask this to people in Cincinnati. So we tend to ask them, you know, where they go on a night out in Cincinnati and where's their place to have fun? Like, what is a good fun bar or like a place to go dancing as a recommendation now obviously you being from los angeles um the question is going to be a slightly different response so i'm keen to hear where does colleen wolf go in los angeles for a good uh, for a good night out oh that's good um for a good night out i would so there is a um kind of like close to where i live i'm in santa monica there's a brewery there called Santa Monica Brewworks, and they have like a ton of they have TVs in there and tables and chairs that we bring. My husband and I play backgammon because uh, right. uh, we're we're nerds like that, so <laughs> we bring a backgammon board and just like drink as many drinks as we can because they have delicious IPAs and all sorts of different brews there. So we'll go there, and then outside the brewery, they usually have some type of food truck. So it's like a taco truck or a burger truck or whatever. So then we'll we'll avail ourselves of uh, whatever is inside that truck. So it's not a bad day. What is uh, drunk backgammon like? I've often wondered that, actually. Um, How does that work? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I play it like every night. It's great. Okay, listen, Colleen, uh, we could talk to you all day, but we know we can't. Uh, so thank you so much for spending the time with us. It does mean a lot to us because we're obviously trying to build the fan community here in the UK. And you know what? We might see you in London later on this year. So uh, once again, thanks so much for the time and have a great day. Cheers, Colleen. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Colleen. Cheers. That was the amazing Colleen Wolf. We can't thank her enough. We've been trying for a little while to get her on. I mean, uh, she's got a very busy schedule. As she mentioned, she'd been to the Combine and then straight to Austin for uh, South by Southwest. And um, we wanted her initially to be part of our International Women's Day episode uh, last week. And we thank you for... We had lots of kind comments and feedback uh, for that episode. So thank you so much for that. Um... But yeah, Colleen Wolf. But it's true. She's so uh, funny and so um, full of fun. Oh, she's know? brilliant, Colleen. I love Colleen. I mean, I, I follow her on Instagram, and I think she does an amazing job on NFL, NFL Network. The energy, the analysis is spot on. You know, she's just a breath of fresh air. Like, genuinely, seems like a good laugh. A great person to go for a beer with. Like, yeah. she is in London, and she's about for the Bengals game. It's brilliant to. You know, meet her and follow the interview. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Really good energy. So we can't thank uh, Colleen enough for that. Um, but as ever, 
Uh, we've got some correspondence, Nathan, and as you can imagine, we've I got quite am- a lot. You know, on the way here, I had a look at the Twitter feed. I was scrolling for a while. Honestly, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people going on in it. Yeah, there's a lot of people going absolutely insane. Um, okay, let's start with Shaquille Edda Tally at Shaquille underscore AFC. The Bengals, that is all. Thank you, Shaquille. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I think that echoes a lot of people's feelings at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, Andrew Townsend, uh, Andrew Townsend 2, with the Bengals paying money for heart, does this change where we go or what we go for in the first and second round? I'm going to say I hope not, actually. Yeah. I, if, they, if, they, if, if it does alter their strategy... Uh, and if they think Hart and Brown are going to be, you know, good, then we're we're, we're going to be heading for a pretty long season. I mean, there's still going to be some amazing offensive linemen at eleven. Devin White will probably go higher, but you know, there's still going to be some linebackers out there that we need to check out. I, I, if they if it does alter their draft strategy, uh, then I'd I'd be a bit. I'd be a bit angry. I think more so offensive tackle. I think, you know, Cordy Glenn's a pretty much nailed on deal starting at left. I think Hart will start right. I, I, I think they still will want a tackle pretty early. I think a linebacker, they're far more desperate need. I, I think they'll still desperately need want to sign a linebacker in the draft, probably round one, if not round two. Offensive tackle, I think they might think they could get away with it if the right guy wasn't there. But I still think it's a definite position of need. Absolutely, uh, Jamie at Trequart Beastie. He's gonna. He's on a bit of a long run, is Jamie? So bear with. Uh, Goodbury, this is Joe Goodbury saying that he trade away the best decent players on our team. That's an absolute piss take. Way too many people <laughs> getting bought up into the myth of a rebuild, and it lets Bengals' poor recruitment off the hook. An NFL team can, to a greater or lesser extent, compete every year, even if they don't want to spend money. Why don't the Bengals get this? The Patriots aren't signing superstars on massive contracts, but are taking the system by value contracts on players with upside. Mm. And crucially, a way to improvement is letting the worst players go on your team. Hart should never have been re-signed, and I feel the Preston Brown deal is way too much dollar. Yeah. I think we've been through that a little bit. I think, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't have minded Hart as a backup at all because yeah. I think, you know, we haven't got anybody else. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are kind of saying, tank, let's just tank the season. Let's just, you know, forget it. Um, I get it with the Patriots, but the, thing, the way that it works on the field is uh, absolutely, uh, and on on and off the field, you look, you know, they, they let someone like Trey Flowers go, who's a good player, who had a ter- terrific Super Bowl. You think they're going to pay that guy? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. They stick to within their budgets. And because they're the Patriots and because they win all the time, they can attract the big star. So, yeah, you know, Michael point. Bennett, they get Michael Bennett in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Still, you know. Um, and on the field, they've got a cast iron scheme that does not alter every single year. And they'll make, Actually, they'll does make alter, deals but, in the draft as well. Yeah. And there's no one better than doing that. But just to address one of Jamie's points really quickly, like, I think it's interesting in talking about the whole like rebuilding. And, and it, it touches on the whole tanking thing, which I think is just so ugly. I think it's a stain on American football that people even talk about something like that. And I think that 
I, I think the idea of the you know the worst teams getting the first pick and the parity side of things is a great feature of American football. But I think in the last five five years, it's really become a we just we need to tank this. At the end of last season, people, a lot of Bengals fans, were like I hope we lose. Yeah, I hope we lose so we can get into the top ten for draft picks. And I think at a point when a sport is getting to that point, and I know the players would never do that, and the coaching staff would never advocate that because it's their jobs on the line, it's, it's their professional, their professions on the line. But when fans are in that position, it makes me think, why don't they just turn it round? You know, every game's a huge game. You want, like, you know, it's a cup final. But it is though. Like, if, if you're the New England Patriots, why are you not picking first? You know, why if you're the worst team in the league and you're playing like shit, why do you not pick thirty second? I mean, to me, that would almost be, you know, and it, you know, the Patriots would probably win every year ever. But I think that to a certain extent, you can't have that mentality of tank for tour and you know, are we going to tank this year? Like, is it no? Like, we should want to be winning sixteen games next year. You know, and, we and might that, not be able to. Do that. You um, can't have that mentality. And I think you mentioned it in the past before. It's a real insult to players like AJ Green and Geno Atkins, oh, who are in their thirties and they've got about two, three years yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. Um, they still want to win if they yeah. can. Now, I'm not saying the Bengals will win because they probably won't, but. You know, it's if you go out and just say, "Look, lads, let's just you know take a dive here." Um, they're gonna, you're going to get smacked upside the head by Gino yeah. or AJ Green. They're, they're not going to let move on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and also, yeah, absolutely. If they, they see that kind of attitude, then they're going to like, "Well, I don't want to play for this team." No, anymore. I just, I, just, is it I think it's ridiculous. Men- it's an ugly mentality. It really I do is. think it's ridiculous. Okay, that answers that question, Richard. Did, however. The team could help a bit by doing things properly, I think. And uh, what do you mean? Like, well, just sorting their lives out and and doing the right thing with free agency and, and contracts. My yeah, big yeah, yeah. bugbear. Anyway, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixon Dale. Um, I could moan about Bobby Hart, but let's face it, everyone else will be. So, who do you see as the biggest AFC North threat now? Beckham's Browns, the Ravens with their weakened D, or the Steelers minus their two best offensive players? I think we, you know, we have been through it. I think it has to be the Browns, really, at the at the moment, at the moment. I I think I still want to see what the Browns are actually capable of on the field. Yeah, I think you can't. People are too quickly saying it's the Browns' division on paper, fine. But how many times have we seen on paper not work out before? Yeah, and There's we're not just saying that because it's coach. the Browns. But yeah, you know, I've seen some stuff on Twitter today, and I had a bit of a ding dong with Gridiron Magazine, yeah, yeah. Um, saying that who kind of said, "Oh my God, they're going to be Super Bowl contenders," and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, easy. You know, there's a lot of Mayfield's still second year quarterback. He might, he I mean? might have, he might have a complete Western next year. Yeah, you know what I mean, but it's happened before to rookies that you know in their second season. They're not as good, and I think Beckham's a personality as well. Either you're not signing AJ Green, and you know, as a true professional, he's going to come in that building. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is a diva. You got Beckham, a diva. Freddie Kitchens has got work on his hands to keep them in check because if they lose a few bad games, as I said earlier, he's got some work on his hands. The geezer, you've also got Kareem Hunt in that locker room, yeah, who's a, who's a handful on paper. The talent's there, and if they, they if, it, if they do, players. they lost Jabril Peppers in their first round pick for Odell Beckham. So whoever was going to come in as their first round pick, they're not going to have the luxury of having. And Jabril Peppers is a good. And safety. they've lost Seitler, haven't they? Yeah, so it's not you know it's it's, it's not, not a, as cut it's not, and dry. It's not, it's not a crocodile, is it? <laughs> Dundee, crocodile Dundee. Oh. 
You don't like that one. No. Why? Anyway, uh, Matthew Wilson at Ma- Matt Wilson MNC. The Bengals have yet to sign anyone who will protect Andy Dalton. I know who they signed, and yes, I will still stand by that statement. Phil H at Bengal Blue Boy. Uh, some positive takes would be helpful at the minute. Starters. Number one. Bobby Hart is still young and has upside, may become serviceable, swing tackle, and then contract would be about right. Number two, Browns becoming a team of arseholes. Steelers <laughs> already are, and Ravens are no great shakes. Well, I take my hat off to you. I've done it before and I'll do it again. I take my hat off to you, Phil. Um, I reckon that Bengals-Browns rivalry is going to be renewed. The last five years, it's not really been much there, but and, I, I think that's going to be feisty now. I and, think it might replace the Steelers yeah, as our absolutely. top rivalry. And can you, can you uh, catch your mind forward? William Jackson versus... Uh, OBJ. That's going to be some old ding-dong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Holy. yeah. I'm excited for those games. Uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. How can the Bengals UK fan base make the London game support surpass 2016? Also, the Browns have no excuses following their moves in free agency. Anything less than AFC Championship, and it's a failed season in my opinion. Mike, don't set the bar too high there, son. Uh, How can the Bengals fans, uh, us, make it better? I think we suit up for the team the way things are going that well I think it it's better. interesting really because like, you know you look back on the game before we didn't have the podcast we didn't the, the Bengals UK thing was really you know it's it's very infancy and I think you know coming into the game this year you know we've got a lot of stuff planned there's going to be a lot of stuff leading up to it I mean I think there's a lot more Bengals fans in the UK now than there was a couple of years mm. ago you know I think we've got a better handle at getting out you know sorry a better vehicle to getting out to people so I think it's going to be a Big, big old thing. I can't wait. It'd be amazing. Sean Whitehead at Sean Whitehead. Does what it says on the tin there, Sean. Um, Hello again, mate. Uh, The Hart and Brown signings, when looking at the breakdown, a lot of incentive, etc. aren't as bad, still not great, as I first thought. Could still see a linebacker taking the first two rounds to replace Perfect. Denard and Eifert probably come back on team-friendly deals, help reduce our need in the draft. My question, if you had to choose between Devin Bush, one of the Iowa uh, tight ends, which is Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, I think, off the top of my head, uh, or Dillard in the first round, who would you choose? Got a feeling White is going to go to Tampa Bay or Oakland before us. Would love him, but Bengals look that uh, but Bengals look, he goes before us. Um, good question, Sean. Um, I think it's a tricky one. If you, I mean, our very own Andrew Dockrell did his second mock draft, which is up on our blog, and he's very big on TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, and his argument is you go best player available. Um, I, I think actually, you know, if you're going to go best player available, you might go for Ed Oliver, who's the the new sort yeah, of three yeah, technique yeah, yeah. sensation at 12. I'd be well up for Ed Oliver at 11. But, you know, Devin Bush, people are saying that's a bit, 11's a bit high for Devin Bush, but then you miss out on a really explosive linebacker. Um, Dillard, is he going to be there? Possibly. Jonah Williams, is he going to be there? Probably. Um, they're going to get a good player at 11. Yeah, they are. It's just a case. And we'll know more as free agency goes on, I think. That's the key. Mm. At the moment... You've got, and I hate to say it, and I don't like it, but you've got your starting right tackle. <laughs> I know, right? I hate yeah, it. But, no, you, I mean, if you look right. at it objectively, you've got yeah, your starting yeah. right tackle, or at least the Bengals think they do. Yeah. 
So I still expect them to draft a tackle mm. at some stage. Um, you still need a linebacker. So I'd edge towards a linebacker, but would I pick Bush at 11? I'm not sure. I still think... I'd have Bush at 11. You would? I'd be quite happy with that, yeah. It's a little bit of a reach, but for the stuff I've seen on him, I've been very impressed with him. Yeah. sound, he's high, high motor. I think he'd be a good player. I think he'd probably be a bit of a reach. I agree with that. But if we were out of options and, you know, you had Olivers have gone and stuff like that and, and you Devin White... Uh, Devin White, isn't it? Yeah. And your Devin White's gone... Um, Oh, I think Bush would be, you know, sometimes you don't, it doesn't matter. If, if, if sort of a good player is there and he's going to be productive for you, it doesn't matter if you take him at 11 or 20, you know. Agree. Um, next we have Jamie Parker at Parker INO4. Shout me out as a newish Bengals fan. That would be nice. I have a request. Can you spin the Bobby Hart signing positively? As I can't. Um, it's really hard to, but I think. There are chinks of light only because of the way that deal is structured. Initially, we thought, oh, my God, he's getting seven million a year. You know, that's like three year, three more years of false start, Bobby Hart. What were they thinking? And yes, you know, that, that feeling still remains. But if you look at the deal, the way it's structured, they've got an out at the end of the first year. So yeah, they could yeah. they could draft a tackle this year, redshirt him. And then insert him when Bobby, if they don't think Bobby Hart is doing the business. Yeah, I mean, that's, so that's that's the only positive thing. And as Phil mentioned, he has got some traits, shall we say, that are you know work workable. He can work with them. He's young. He's athletic. Um, but he's <laughs> he's. <laughs> well, uh, next uh, next week you get Bobby Hart coming on. The thing with Bobby Hart is like. What worries me is they always say about people on a one-year prove-it deal is you get the best out of them. Once you pay them, they get worse. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, that worries me a little bit. We're going to give him money. But I think, like you said, the Bengals actually, to, to their credit, are quite good at, you know, structuring these deals like they have with Vontaze Burfitt where they, and, and with Andy Dalton where they can get out the door. Mm. They're not committing themselves to, you know, things like, you know, committing themselves to a marriage that they can't get out of. So, you know, they could draft a tackle this year. Bobby Hart could start, you know, midway through that season. If the guy they've got is better than Bobby Hart, they could say, you know what, we're going to sit you, Bobby, and we're going to stick this new geezer in. At the end of the year, they can say, see you later. And it's not actually that big of a deal. Mm. I just think, like I said earlier, and I think this is a strong point. I think a lot of Bengals fans are unhappy with the Bobby Hart signing, not only because he's not necessarily a great pay- uh, player and they've paid a lot of money, it's the fact that in their minds, and I think this is true, I don't think we're going to spend that money outside the organisation. And I think fans really wanted that. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, well, it, uh, it's a welcome to Jamie. Thank, uh, yeah, for welcome, Jamie. Cheers for nice one. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, hope uh, we provide at least. Well, the positive uh, to being a Bengals fan in the UK, frankly, is us at the moment. Not me and Nathan <laughs> specifically, but uh, the fact that there's a really nice community, friendly, uh, good laugh, and uh, hope we can see you at one of our meetups very soon. Absolutely. Dreams of Witness at D Witness. Hello, Jimmy in Japan. Uh, has Cleveland now finally replaced Pittsburgh as the team we're going to despise in the next five to ten years? If OBJ is confirmed, well, it is. I guess Jimmy was writing this when the rumours were flying around. If OBJ is confirmed, that's a sickening one-two with Baker. Ugh. 
I think it's a good point. And it's like we were saying a moment ago, I think that's a fiery rivalry in it. Started with the Hugh Jackson stuff, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's, I mean, I, at the moment, you know, he, he gets my back up more than Big Ben. Uh, yeah, I think you said the rival is going to be... Uh... Gonna What's be... going on with Hugh Jackson these days? He, he, he just... I don't know. I think he went for an interview somewhere in college. Uh, it was at Oregon or somewhere like that. I yeah. think. I don't know. Oh, honestly, I, I, you know, I, you know, I not a huge opinion of Hugh, but I would have loved to have seen him stay with us and us do do, do uh, Cleveland, do Dover. Cleveland, Dover, and he could like I walk thought, up and down. That's horrible. That was. Yeah, I yeah. really would have loved to get one back on the geezer. Well, it's still time, Nathan. Let's uh, let you and I go out to the game. The Cleveland game. Turn Baker over outside the stadium. Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. You and your fighting again. You love fighting. <laughs> Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Hello, Stew. Not liking this start to free agency. Dalton is going to have another torrid time. If we start with false start, I'm looking at a losing season if this is the new way ahead. That said, they play in London. Hopefully, a few fan meetups in the air. Again, there are positives, Stu, and I think you, you've just mentioned them. David Stewart at Bengal Stewart. So, Twitter blows up on heart with a deep breath. Re signing Uzuma, Brown, and Hopkins makes sense to me. If we get Denard back, then I'm good. Question Do they need big names to win? Or should we crown Cleveland champs now? So the last part of that question, I think we've been through, and it's definitely a no, even though they've been aggressive and yep. impressive. Um, do you need big names to win? No. That's a really interesting question, I think. Um, I don't think so, because, again, you look at the Patriots mm. and the way Patriots that... Patriots the perfect example, apart from yeah, Tom Brady. But then you look at the Rams, who brought in Sue and Cooks and big all those names. boys, and, and the Eagles as well the year yeah, before. yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a mixture, isn't it? It has to be. You, you can't. There's no one way. No. Enough. But like I said earlier, I think teams really are using free agency better to fill their roster. And I think the interesting thing is, looking around the league, you're focusing on who teams, and this is perfect example with the Cleveland Browns, you're focusing who they're bringing in. And not every team in the NFL can get better because you're just churning players around. It's just mm. one player going left, one player going right. These teams that are gaining these players, they're also losing players. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, well, they've lost Kevin Zeitler. You know, one of their best guards. They've lost, uh, lost Jabril Peppers. You know, there are players going the other way. Peppers and all that, though. Well, it's still, he's a decent safety. I and mean, then you've got, you know, they're losing their first round and their third round pick. Mm. So any of those guys that could have come in and make an impact. Well, it's a risk, no isn't it? It's a risk. So I don't, it's not just a pure addition. You know, yeah. it's you, you're giving up some of these uh, these things. Uh, I've a lot tailed off there. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Robinson at Robbo Macca. <laughs> Still bags of time to get our hopes up and get let down. We are not a free agency team, never have been. Nail on the head. Yep, can't say fairer than that. James Rogers at Jimmy the Cat, 82. <laughs> That's a solid handle. Where are these solid handles coming from tonight? There's loads of new right. callers tonight, isn't there? James, again, has been on a long, is on a long run. He might, be a, he might be a first-time caller, James. I might be wrong. But um, every year we know the drill in FA, but it still winds us all up. Frustrating is the term, I think. We used to build through the draft, and for a period it worked. But the last few years, years haven't worked out. Now we are playing catch-up. You feel that the draft alone can't fix things. That is the nail on the head. Yeah, I agree. If you bugger up in the draft one year, that can set you back two, three years. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we can... 2016 draft, that's exactly what's happened. Mm. And you have to use free agency because it is a good tool. Yeah, yeah, And actually, actually, 
actually, I say it again, actually, actually, um, in uh, you look at some of the ridiculous contracts some average players have got. Mm. Trades are beginning to be much better value in yeah, the NFL 100%. than free agency contracts. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm surprised they haven't kind of started to get rid of some of their six, you know, three million yeah, yeah, six yeah, round yeah, picks yeah, that yeah. they have this year. Uh, they still might. Who knows? I think with free agency as well is you don't have to spend a lot of money. Is what about if you go and pick up a guy that's a million or two and you bring him or like uh, three or four million and then he ends up being a lot better value than well, that? Well, there's some, still some linebackers the, on there. Yeah, uh, Darren Lee from the Jets has been mentioned a few times. Yeah, um, yeah. James continues trying to be optimistic, but I really don't see a winning season ahead, and I worry we're looking at the kind of season the Cardinals had in 2018. I'd feel better if Trevor Lawrence was going to be eligible for the draft in 2020, but it's two years away. Good chance we pick first then. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I ain't tanking, though. Though I ain't tanking, though. Do you know what I mean? Martin Greer, uh, Martin Greer, 73. Hello, Martin. Um, really hope we paid Denard and Eifert. Have to lock up Boyd now. He deserves to get paid. I pray we have a plan for the right side of the offensive line. Ending on a positive, can't wait for the London fan meetups. Who day? Who day to you, Martin? Cheers, Martin. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be nice. Uh, Denard wants to test the market, but he may well be back. I mean, he's I a. Like he's, Denard, but you just create another problem, didn't you, if the geezer goes? Yeah, I know, I agree. I mean, he's not amazing. No. But he's pretty he's solid a very in, good in his role. Cornerback, yeah. yeah. Um, and I agree, you know, they should. Re- you look at the contracts that people are getting now. Really, you should, and I'm sure they are actually. They should be trying to lock up Boyd now. Yeah, should be trying to lock up lock up AJ now. You know, no messing because if they do hit the open market, then it's it's good night Vienna, I think, with the Bengals. Yeah, um, Martin Gibbs at Wakey Ram. I'm gonna give that a solid handle as well. Yeah, reasons to be cheerful. Well, you know, spring is here. I stopped smoking. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. You know. Nathan's back on the beers. Yeah, that's true. Mate, that Halele has gone down a treat as well. We one of our best guests on tonight, Colleen Wolf. Absolutely. We still provide the amazing guests. Yeah. And we got an amazing one, hopefully, next week. Yeah, yeah. Someone out of left field completely. Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. <laughs> Genuinely, if, if you want a reason to be positive, it's still early. There's still going to be people brought Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And if Zach Taylor is a great coach, yeah. then maybe he gets the best out of players that Marvin wasn't getting the best out of. So let let's you know you don't win games on paper. So let's see if we, you know that Zach can get the best out of these guys and their ability and motivate them. Agree, Peter Dadwell at Dadders. And uh, hello, Pete. Uh, next season will our smugness at the demise of the Squealers be enough to offset the smugness of the Browns fans <laughs> that we will have to endure? Good question. I don't know. I mean. Will we suddenly feel sorry for Pittsburgh? Oh, no, I don't no, think exactly. so. Exactly. I th- I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be some hilarity. I'd love to see yeah. Steelers Browns first game of the season. Whoever Absolutely, I'll be loving it. Like tie, yeah, <laughs> three or tie. Steelers, I don't know. Uh, yeah, They're Baker Mayfield sacks t- sacked t- eight times. Oh mate, I love that. Jesus. You'd love that, Jesus, would you? I love that. I love that, see, man. Oh, we've got to do the Browns once, at least once. Absolutely. Oh, I'd love us against the Browns first game, let alone the Steelers. Do we should try. We should Browns, try and though. get a fan meet. Just 
dumping Baker into the and then <laughs> ball pops out. Yeah. Carl Lawson runs it back. Oh yeah, of course we're getting Lawson back. Another reason to be positive. Yeah, that's we're getting true, Lawson yeah. and Glasgow back. And Glasgow, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, Glasgow, 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 oh, yeah, Glasgow. Duncan disorderly at dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Uh, I need convincing that we're not the worst team in the AFC North. Can anyway persuade me otherwise? At this moment, Duncan, no. I reckon there's a lot of turnover on all the teams, and I don't know. It's so difficult. Still to early. Still early. There's loads of turnover as well, and like, I think you made a good point earlier about needing a gel, and that does take some time. Sometimes solidity, you know, it's Cleveland got a new coach as well. It's yeah. a tough thing. Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore. Hot take is Duke Tobin is going to quickly replace Marvin Lewis as the fan base's second least favourite Bengal employee if he doesn't crush the draft. Also, are we setting up for a rogue trade of Andy Dalton and properly tanking? Oh, get off, Simon. Come on now. Um, I I think I think he's got making a point about Duke Tobin because he's you know he's not handled free agency well. He's not particularly handled. Tobin was a sexy name on the block for three years. Yeah, and ago. he got lots of, uh, you know, rightfully lots yeah. of praise. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. when things go wrong, you know, you've got to expect some, some criticism. And yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he deserves a little bit at the Absolutely, moment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, as for trading Andy Dalton, I really don't think they're going to get rid of Dalton. I know Zach Taylor I was rule it out. I know Zach Taylor was was pictured uh, what looked like playing pocket billiards at. Uh, uh, Oklahoma's pro day today yeah, watching yeah, Kyler yeah. Murray who who apparently by all accounts really impressed you yeah, know yeah. Um, so I don't know maybe the, I mean first pick there could be a quarterback wouldn't rule it out I don't think they're going to trade Dalton who would want a quarterback right now who would yeah. oh, I'm going to have to uh, the Giants yeah obviously the Jags have just signed Foles um, Skins the Skins signed Case Keenum didn't they yeah yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah. Dalton's better than Keenum, I think. Yeah, we're not going to sign him again, though, are they? No. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? That's Especially with all the quarterbacks in the draft. You're not going to give a lot for him, are you? No. I don't know. I don't think... I think. No. I really do think Zach Taylor's pretty happy with Dalton. Yeah, I think, and certainly way, think for at least and one And certainly year. the way the front office has been it's behaving... It's a good value contract as well. Well, the way the front office have been handling things at the moment, they're mm. not going to get you know in terms of overvaluing overpricing and all the rest of it yeah they're not going to re- get rid of him yeah they're going to wait until his contract runs out and give him another contract i would have thought yeah um uh let's have a look i think that's about it actually oh no there's a one crew let, let's let's not um right final question it's from your wife uh, i'm not quite <laughs> sure why you can't communicate with with each other uh uh, via text or uh, at home, but Rose has tweeted in and has asked, "What's Nathan's favourite ice cream?" Oh, mate! Is there is, is there you're a, ending is on a good the, note with this podcast? Is this moment. a private joke or something? No, I you know I've I've been cutting down like yeah, I ain't been drinking on a podcast this year. Tonight's the first time I've got well into ice cream this year. I've never been a big <laughs> ice cream man, but I got well into it. You know, there's been a you know a few different ones I've been trying out. There's one. Beautiful ice cream, Paul. I need to take you there in Amsterdam. It's called Venti, vanilla ice cream, really good vanilla ice cream with chocolate bits in it. And it's a chocolatiers Venti. It's not an ice cream store. Okay, and they blend. It's called Stracciatella. Yes, yes, I've had that before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, mate, I love it. And I that, love that's it. just like vanilla ice cream with like kind of flaky bits of chocolate. Yeah, in it. but quite so it is 
absolutely divine, mate. Listeners, you should see his face right oh, now. Oh, it's divine. He's scrunching up it's his divine, eyes. It's divine, Paul. He's, he's, it's almost a sex face. It literally, it nearly is. Ben and Jerry's <laughs> cookie dough's good. <laughs> and the other one I like, I don't know if anyone's had it, the Halo Top one. No, I haven't actually. It's What's that? It's uh, literally the size, about the size of a Ben and Jerry's tub. This is shocking, right? You ready for this, Paul? Go on. Ben and Jerry's tub is about 1,200 calories, right? Yeah, you have yeah. a whole tub of that, you're in trouble. <laughs> Guess how much? <laughs> you're dead before you fall. Guess how much a tub of this Halo Top is. You've got, no you got all sorts of flavours. Vanilla, you've got cookies and cream. 300 calories. You have a tub of it, you've barely had a chocolate bar. It's insane. You have half a tub and you're in a good mood and you've had 140 <laughs> calories. Right, just to wrap this up, because we're going off to a... For a, for a, for a <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's you know it, it's almost like ridiculous doing a podcast because you yeah. know for a fact that something's going to happen while you're recording thankfully nothing has uh what is it now coming up to half nine on the uh wednesday night but by the time this is out it might have all changed but my message is to bengals fans honestly be patient that's not hopefully that's not too patronizing uh, I know there's a lot of anger out there at the moment, of which I share. Yeah. But this, I mean, literally, the official free agency period has just started. Who knows who we're going to pick up? And I do expect us to pick some players up. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll come back in a couple of weeks' time, and if they've done a bad job, we'll really rip, like, properly rip them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, keep the faith. Keep I the know faith, it's lads. difficult, um, but, um yeah. Uh, well, we've got any notices? We are trying, actually, uh, very hard to um, to arrange a meetup on draft Saturday, the Saturday of that draft weekend. Now, nothing is confirmed yet, so we're we're working on that engaging interest. Um, but you know, in the meantime, if you have any uh, questions uh, about stuff, you want to vent your anger. You want any shout outs, then honestly. Well, any ice cream information. If any ice cream, ice cream you know, I'm in the market with the ice cream at the moment, so let me know. Do let us know at uh, Hooday underscore UK on Twitter or Bengals UK on Facebook. So it only remains for me to say it's a Hooday for me. And a Hooday for me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.